53 minutes. That's all it took. Once the Packers had lost on Sunday, I'll explain what I mean in just a sec. It's the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninjas and presented by My Pro Realty ERA Real Estate in Brookfield. Let's go. Instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninjas No Dig Sewer Repair and presented by ERA, My Pro Realty in Brookfield. Let's go. Welcome in. This is the 414 Sports Podcast powered by Sewer Ninjas and presented by My Pro Realty ERA Real Estate. We want to thank Sewer Ninjas for being our number one sponsor. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They have the ability to repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you Sewer Ninjas is a local family business that takes pride in every job, big or small. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. That will get you to Sewer Ninjas. So, maybe the Packers need some help with their lateral lines and get something going here as they took it on the chin in Europe, losing to the Giants 27-22. to The Packers fall to 3-2. and The Giants go to 4-1. and And as I said in the tease going into the podcast today, it took 53 minutes, at least by my watch, 53 minutes, where I heard the first caller on the postgame show stating that they wanted Joe Barry fired, the defense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Now, I knew something was coming. You couldn't have a game like that without somebody wanting somebody fired because that's just what happens on Sport Talk Radio. But it took 53 minutes for someone to call in and ask essentially for Joe Barry's head, not happy with the way the defense played, and yet as poorly as the defense played, especially in the second half, we got to think about the offense as well. The offense is not playing nearly to their capabilities, and Aaron Rodgers, once again, only essentially playing a half of football. There's been a few times this season in which the Packers have looked good for two quarters, and they're always together, whether it's the first and second, third, or fourth, and then they kind of abandon what they do and do well in the two quarters in which they look lifeless and disorientated and not the Packers of old. And so what we saw yesterday, or a couple of days ago now, was the fact that the Packers got away from the run game. And suddenly they were trying to throw these long vertical passes to receivers that weren't open, or 
they were being thrown to receivers who were covered. And in one instance, once again, Alan Lazard was open down the middle and Rodgers just didn't see him, didn't find him, whatever the case may be, didn't throw him the football. How it is that we got away from the run game is beyond when you were dominating in the first half. I'm not understanding how the game plan adjusted the way it did into that second half, but that doesn't take anything away from what the Giants did. The Giants really switched the momentum in their favor as the third quarter ended, and they were on that 91-yard drive in which they got the score to tie the game up at 20, and that right there seemed to take the wind out of the sails of the Green Bay Packers. And the Giants did something that I heard being argued again on one of the post-game shows here locally afterwards in that one of the pundits was saying the Packers are lacking anything vertical, the big play. Anytime there's a big play, it's happening by accident, and it's not something necessarily being drawn up. And yet, the reasoning behind it is you don't want to necessarily have a running attack that runs and runs and runs and runs because what ends up happening is you get mistakes here and there. All of a sudden, instead of, I don't know, second and four, you may end up with a repeat of first down because of a holding call and it becomes 14 or 15 yards. You understand where I'm getting with this, that a couple of big plays help to take the pressure off the team, not just the offensive line, but the team and eliminate some of those areas where you might make a mistake. And yet the Giants conversely did exactly the opposite of what one of the Green Bay Packer pundits was saying in that they possessed the football. And they had a couple of drives in that second half in which they simply wore down the defense. One of them I already alluded to, which was that 91-yard drive, which was capped off at the end of the third quarter by a score, tying the game up at 20, They were able to possess the ball and run the ball with passes intermingled and then just keep the Packers on their heels. Now, we constantly hear from Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers that with the fact that the receivers haven't necessarily developed to where they would like at this point, that they're going to have to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. And the ball in the playmaker's hands on offense are the running backs. So why we went away from getting them the football in the second half is a little head-scratching. Secondly, we constantly hear that the Packers should have drafted a receiver, should have drafted somebody for Aaron Rodgers, and yet you wrestle with can you afford not to have a big-time wide receiver that can help stretch the field? And so last night you watch the Kansas City Chiefs. You see Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the team. Obviously, you watch Devontae Adams with the Raiders, and you're seeing a couple of former Packers who can stretch the field. MVS looks really good right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. We know what Devontae Adams can do, and you took those two pieces and removed them from your offense. That's a lot to replace. And you didn't go out and find anybody in free agency to do such. Here's going to be my parallel. And this is what's starting to make me a little bit nervous five games into this season. 
I know I'm going to compare apples and oranges because I'm comparing two different sports, but hang with me just for a moment. When the Brewers this season traded Hader at the All-Star break, it took the wind out of the sails of the Milwaukee Brewers. Was it the right move? Yes, it was. Hader, Hader, even though he's now playing in the NL playoffs, did not pitch extremely well. They're in the playoffs not because of necessarily what Hader did, almost in spite of what he did in certain circumstances when he came in to pitch in relief. Where the Brewers missed was not replacing him with any impact player immediately. So if you would have got rid of Josh Hader and traded Josh Hader and brought in a bat, so to speak, because the Brewers desperately needed some offense this year, if you would have brought in a bat to replace Josh Hader, I don't think the wind out of the sails of that Brewer team would have been as great. The air would have been replenished immediately. There, we'll say it that way. And now when I look at the Green Bay Packers, you saw a couple of key elements leave the team and not be replaced with anyone who's close to the caliber of both of those receivers. Sammy Watkins is a good receiver, but Sammy Watkins is where? He's on the IR again, where he spends a lot of time and has spent a lot of time historically. So though eyes were opened when they brought in Sammy Watkins and you thought, oh, maybe, just maybe we could get the Sammy Watkins of old, What we got is Sammy Watkins, who tries really hard, who's got a lot of ability, but who can't stay off the IR, which is where he's at right now. And it doesn't do you any good on the field. You get to the NFL, it's about winning games. You know, Matt Rule gets released and fired released. He gets fired from the Panthers. And Matt Rule's big thing going into his first NFL coaching job is that he can build culture. You can build culture on a high school team. You can build culture on a college team. But when you get to the pros, culture is built around winning. If you're not winning, nobody wants to hear what you have to say or what you're trying to implement. If you're not close to winning, it'd be different. Like I'm I'm seeing what's happening in Detroit, even though they got waxed a couple of days ago. But Detroit has been competitive. And because they've been competitive, they're buying into what's being offered. And when you look at the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule, he's selling a lot of stuff that's not being bought because they weren't winning games. So if you're going to continue what has been built in Green Bay, it has been built around winning. There's too many of us of a certain age that remember what the culture was like in Green Bay when they weren't winning. People still showed up because it's Green Bay. You still bought your green and gold stuff because you're Packer fans and you live in Wisconsin. But we remember what the atmosphere with the way the team was, the way the perception of the team, you can go on and on and on with that. And all of that changed once they started winning. So in order for this to work, if you're going to pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million, somebody somewhere needs to figure out this Monopoly money and bring in a free agent. You still hear OBJ's name being thrown around, and, and Odell would be a great addition to the Green Bay Packers. 
but Odell's coming off of an ACL. Odell is is going to sit back and wait and see where the contenders are, and that's where he's going to jump in. And the fear is, if we're just mediocre, this is not going to be a destination OBJ is going to want to play at. Gudikins has got to do something to find a veteran receiver that can enhance this offense while these young receivers develop. These young receivers have the potential to be something special two, three, four years from now. But if we're talking about the immediacy of this team, there has got to be somebody out there that can help this team right now. And then if we jump back to the defensive side of the ball, this was the side of the ball no one was worried about. This was the side of the ball on paper every national pundit thought was one of the best defenses that would play in the NFL this year. And to game five, they, like Aaron Rodgers, have taken quarters, if not halves, off of games. Something has to change with this team. And I'm not a proponent of always, we got to fire. Everybody, everybody wants to fire everybody these days. Not knowing who is in waiting to take over or who else is out there that would do anything different. But we all want to fire everybody. But with that said, something has got to click with this ball club that keeps them going for four quarters and allows them to do what they are good at. And what they are good at right now is running the football or getting the ball to the running backs in the flat and letting them do what they want to do. I question whether or not Aaron Rodgers wants to do that. Aaron Rodgers is a gunslinger. I mean, we used to say that about Brett Favre, but that's what Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers wants to handle the game in a vertical fashion. We don't have anybody right now vertically that can do, I think, what Aaron wants to do. And Aaron's going to have to change how he goes about the game if this is going to work. If we're going to keep falling in and out of running the football or getting the ball to the backs all season long, this is a team that might, might end up a game above 500. It, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Then we'll get a chance once again next week as now the Jets will be the next opponent for the Green Bay Packers. So we get to take on the teams from New York back-to-back. So the Jets, after a nice win this past week, will be taking on the Green Bay Packers, and we'll see what uh, is in store (laughs) for the green and gold moving forward. Speaking of fired, we had a football coach in this state who was let go of his duties, and the interim head coach this past Saturday took his team down to Northwestern and got a much needed win so we'll talk some badger football on the other side of this As we get ready to talk some Badger football, I want to let you know that this segment is being brought to you by Eric Ulvog and his staff at MyPro Realty ERA Real Estate, your go-to team. Whenever you need local experts, give them a call 
for any of your real estate needs at 414-467-1030. Once again, that's 414-467-1030. That's My Pro Realty ERA Real Estate in Brookfield. So the Badgers finally got an opportunity to get back on the field this past Saturday. It is the first game, obviously, after the firing of Paul Christ and putting Jim Leonard uh, at the helm with an interim tag. It's a, a position, quite honestly, that's Jim Leonard's to lose. This was done in order to give Jim Leonard an audition. I know now Matt Rule has been let go with uh, the Carolina Panthers, so his name will be bantered about to and fro. But I have a distinct hunch, and I'm about 98.9% sure that Jim Leonard will be the next head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, barring any sort of catastrophic event that would occur between now and the end of the season. Barring anything like that, expect Jim Leonard to get the head coaching job. Now, Jim Leonard takes over the team that now, after Saturday's win, sits 3-3, three 1-2 and three, one and two in the Big Ten, a 42-7 win as we did note, should have noted, something of that nature against the Northwestern Wildcats who fall to 1-5, and 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. Now, Northwestern is not necessarily going to be feared by many in the Big Ten because they've struggled. They've dealt with injuries. They're dealing with some youth. There's a lot of things going on down there for Pat Fitzgerald and his team. So going in, this was a great team to get healthy against. But you always have to remember that the Badgers don't necessarily play well down at Ryan Field. Ryan Field has been a house of horrors for the Wisconsin Badgers. It has been since 1999 that the Badgers actually went to Ryan Field and got the win. So though they end up with that 42-7 victory, they had a lot of, let's say, demons since we're in the Halloween spirit to overcome they did so with an interim coach, with a new coach who will then be, again, in my opinion, the next head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, and executed just so well, so much better than they have all year in so many facets of the game. One of the areas for sure offensively was Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz throws for 299 yards and five touchdowns. And his favorite receiver that day was Shimre DK. This is Shimre DK's 52-yard touchdown reception, courtesy of Matt LaPay, Learfield Sports, and the Badger Radio Network. The clock is at 8 as Mertz takes a snap. Three-man rush from Northwestern. Graham fires over the middle. DK the catch, landing left, 35-30. Shimre to the 20, 15, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Wisconsin. Shimre DK outruns the secondary. 52 yards, and it's 13 to nothing. Wisconsin. So once again, Matt LaPay, the Badger Radio Network, courtesy of Learfield Sports. Shimre DK would end up with 185 yards on 10 catches and three touchdowns. The highlight, though, of the day. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. In watching the game, I had had it up to my eyeballs with the Wildcat, and I think uh, somebody on the Badger Network made reference to, I think, what social media was saying with regards to the Wildcat, but the Badgers and Bobby Ingram went to the Wildcat uh, a couple of times uh, in that game against Northwestern, but nothing better 
than when it was time for Braylon Allen to get a touchdown, this time not on the ground, but as a passer out of the Wildcat. This again, Matt LePay, Learfield Sports, Badger Radio. Graham Mertz wide to the left with Bell in the slot. Braylon Allen, the Wildcat QB. As Malusi to his right, Allen takes, face the handoff to Malusi, wanted to throw, drifting to his right. Now Braylon throwing, and that is caught by Ches Malusi at the 10, at the 5, touchdown, Wisconsin! Braylon Allen, a touchdown pass to Ches Malusi, and it's 27 to nothing, Wisconsin. Is there anything Allen can't do? So that obviously was Braylon Allen getting the touchdown toss to his running back mate in Ches Malusi, and that again part of that 42-7 final down at Northwestern. The Badgers would finish with 515 total yards of offense, 135 of that coming on the ground from Braylon Allen. So there were so many things that went well for the Badgers that hopefully is creating momentum now as this week they'll travel to East Lansing, to take on the Michigan State Spartans. And what you hope to see is Bobby Ingram, the offensive coordinator for the Badgers, once again having the ability to open some things up. There was nothing more refreshing. Again, being at the game, sitting uh, where we did up high, and being able to see through Bobby Ingram's play calling multiple receivers open on Saturday. That's something we have not seen. Now, separation still a bit of an issue on those long vertical routes, but the way the route trees were set up on Saturday, you saw a lot of mid-level crossing, and in doing so, it created openings for Graham Mertz to throw the football. Graham Mertz looking very good on Saturday, kind of almost like a, a homecoming, really, for Graham Mertz, welcoming him back to the football team, looking like the quarterback that many had anticipated he might be now finally maybe finding his stride. It's only one game, and you don't want to get over-enthused after one game, but you can't help it after the way this season started. So now they'll travel, as I noted, to take on the Spartans in East Lansing, Michigan State, not necessarily playing great football, so it's another opportunity if they can execute like they did on Saturday to put another W in the win column. That's a little redundant. We're going to put a check in the win column and call it that. Now, before we leave off on the Badgers, you, you can't go without commending the defense as well. The defense under Jim Leonard, who's still calling the defense, even though he's got the interim head coach tag on him, flew to the ball like we remember them doing in years past. Too many times so far this season, and Jim Leonard was the first one really to bring it up, the missed tackles, the assignments that were missed out of position uh, by the players on the defensive side of the ball, and that seemingly changed. Now, did it change because of the scheme? Did it change because of the caliber of the opponent you were playing? Whatever the case may be, what you hope it did was build confidence because the defense was flowing to the ball. You'd see four, five, six hats on the football almost every single play where earlier in the season you'd see a missed tackle and then five, six yards down, maybe somebody else coming over 
in trying to pick up the slack, so to speak, off the missed tackle and bring somebody down. This time, as soon as the ball was being handed off or if it was a completed pass, you saw a number of Wisconsin helmets on that football to make the tackle, and that was wonderful to see. So let's again hope that the Badgers, under now head coach, interim head coach Jim Leonard, as they head to East Lansing, can come away with another victory. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to get ready to close out this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. We'll do so in just a second. All right, let's close things out today with some more Badger news as something came across the World Wide Web as we were putting this podcast together, and that is that we have a Badger who has entered the transfer portal, and that'll be Deacon Hill. He was a backup quarterback. He was going to be supposedly the backup quarterback right behind uh, Graham Mertz after the injury to Chase Wolf. But his status as the backup fell a little bit as Miles Burkett, the freshman from Franklin, had ascended up the depth charts to take uh, that spot away. So with that, he has decided to enter the transfer portal. Coming out of high school, Hill was a highly touted prospect. UCLA, Kansas State, Nevada, just a few of the schools that was after the California native. But as we noted, he has opted to enter the transfer portal and the, oh, shall we say, the idea, I think, from many is that he'll be trying to move closer to home uh, to play the remainder of his collegiate career. He's got three years of eligibility left. So the Badgers, once again, being classy in how they handled this, is wishing him nothing but the best. And I guess if if the writing is on the wall that Miles Burkett will be the heir apparent now at quarterback, you can understand why somebody like that with his with his remaining years of eligibility and the fact that he was being recruited by a number of other bigger schools closer to home, why he would choose then to enter the transfer portal. With that, we'll conclude this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, whether you've been joining us on Google, Spotify, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Thank you so much. Have yourselves a great rest of the evening, day, whatever time you are listening to this, and we'll talk to you a little bit later in the week.